Hey, good morning to you and a happy Wednesday. It's Bruce and Judy. And, you know, it was driven home to me many years ago. I was visiting Germany with mom, visiting family. And we went into uh, an area of the Black Forest. We're driving along, minding our own business. And we come upon uh, garland and banners and signs in German. It's Germany. Uh, and a little <laughs> village is having a birthday celebration. Oh, cool. Like the village is. I thought, yeah. So we stop and you have a, a verse, you know, and mom may have had some beer along the way. <laughs> and um, they quickly picked up that I wasn't from those parts. I was an American. And I, I distinctly remember one of the guys going, so how old is the United States again? Like, And I was very proud. I was a little younger kid. And I was like... <laughs> Well, let's see, 76. You know, we are uh, 212 years old. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that's nice. Uh, and I say, he said, uh, this village is is having its 12, 1200th birthday today. <laughs> but it's a, it was and I was village. like, hmm, oh, that's man. just the village. Okay. That, that didn't meet, make the local paper outside of that. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they're just like, yeah, we're 1200 years old. And so you start to get the sense, if you've ever traveled around, there are some really old things around the world that we just... We just don't have, for goodness sakes, you know, uh, our old stuff is to people around the rest of the world. Oh, that's cute. That's modern. (laughs) Oh, you'd invented roofs by then, you know, a a variety of things. And it it takes us to a a, a pub in Britain. Yes, this pub is, um, as you were talking about, 1,200 years old. It's 1,229 years old. That is an old pub. It's an old pub. It's Britain's oldest pub, actually. And it is closing because of um, financial uh, pressures made worse by the COVID, of course. Um, Ye old fighting cocks pub in St. Albans. I was hoping you would would (laughs) name it. Um, Yes. So just I would just call it the ye. Don't they all start with ye old? That's that's just like saying the. You got to throw it in there. It should be ye oldest. Because it is. So, uh, yeah, the owner said, you know, they've been having some uh, difficulties, so they're going to have to close up shop. Uh, they first started pouring drinks in the year 793. I was going to say, <laughs> they, 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 they've survived a couple of world wars. You know how you put a, uh, yeah, you put a dollar on the, the wall? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know what we would have had back then. They've got a gold doubloon. Yes, a doubloon. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. So yeah. it may reopen, but probably They survived not. the Crusades, you yeah. know, but they, they can't make <laughs> it through the COVID. Norman invasion. Yes, the Inquisition. I'm, uh, I'm just trying to, like, do they have, like, stone tables and chairs? I mean, what is I'm the hoping place? they updated the interior at some point, you know. It looks very quaint, Everyone's actually. just not sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor because they hadn't invented chairs. Well, you in know, Prague. I was in the oldest bar in New Orleans. I think it's called Lafitte's, if I recall. Mm. Uh, Lafitte's. Defeats me. Yeah, it was, I was... Ye old Lafitte's. Lafitte's, yes. Yeah. And it, they had no electricity. In the bar. In the bar. So, but they did have electricity to keep the, the drinks cold. But there was no, there was no, there were no lights. So at night when it started to dust, <laughs> no, they would light candles. But oh, okay. it was like being I thought in a it was cave. Just like pitch black. You know, yeah. you're walking around. You have to feel the the face and go. I think that's yeah. the face of the waitress. I'm pretty sure. Could you bring me yeah, another? People one? People didn't need to be in the dark to be feeling around and touching people anyway. But uh, <laughs> it was it was so cool because it was like a, this old stone room. And yeah, they light the candles, and you feel like you are in the oldest bar in America. Yeah. Uh, so, what about Chicago? 
What about our oldest bars, the old school, the throwbacks? And again, ye old fighting cocks in St. Albans giggles at our old <laughs> bars as they probably have furniture older than some of our bars. But there are some pretty famous, classic uh, uh, institutions, and some of them have survived quite a long time here. Oh, yeah. You know what? I... Uh... I think of this one bar that I used to go to when I was younger, and I probably shouldn't have, but um, I think I went with my parents. Lottie's. Uh, it's on Cortland there in, in the Bucktown, Wicker Park area. And, I mean, it opened in nineteen the 1930s sometime. I mean, it's old. And it's what I love about Lottie's, it's changed, but not really. It's kind of been updated. but Because I got to tell you, my favorite bars are the bars that haven't changed in like there's a lot of neighborhood yeah. bars. Yeah, like I want to go to a bar that has plastic chairs and you know tablecloths if they serve food, and you know a long wood bar that's all scraped up and people uh, carve their initials in it. Yes, yeah. I never did that. Who who have you been talking to? Do you have a favorite <laughs> local bar? Maybe a neighborhood bar that's been around forever and a day. Okay, and it's going to have to be around longer than 1978. I'm just going to throw it out there to three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. When we talk about some of those old places, I, I went uh, recently to the the Berghof, and oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, wow. And if you know kind of the the background, this goes back to the World's Fair. By the way, the 1893 World's Fair. You know. Huh. Devil in the White City World's or as, Fair. as the uh, Eon Fighting Cox in St. Albans calls 1893 recent history. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, uh, um, it, it is, it is, I love pieces like that that aren't exactly, it's not frozen in time, but it certainly has a, you get a sense of history. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they have liquor license number one. Oh, really? I, I believe that at, at some point, yeah, they had the, First liquor license in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. I did not know that. Yeah. So if you really want, you know, an old beer, you can go. And they buy, they make their own, too. The Berghoff, oh, yeah. I believe they make their own. And they closed for a little bit for some time, but they came back. They came back. back. Yeah. Okay. And it's really nice that they did. They only served alcohol to men until 1969. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> At the Berghoff? Yes. Oh wow, All boys right. club. It would literally. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Berghoff is for the boys. That's their marketing campaign, Berghoff. It's for the boys. For the boys. <laughs> yeah, baby. Have you been to the Walnut Room? Yes. When you oh, think about classic old old school Chicago, I just like it just oozes out of the walls of the Walnut Room, especially around Christmas. Judy, you've been oh, to the Walnut Room around I Christmas. I took my daughter <clears throat> around Christmas time. Yes, and she was, you know, I don't know, 10, 11, and we went on a Sunday, I remember, and we ordered, you know, maybe a brunchish sort of thing, but I got a Bloody Mary, and I remember I got Kaylee a, a kitty cocktail, and I looked around and we were the only ones drinking. And I was very happy about that. <laughs> like everyone, it was just funny. I, you know how you notice that when I'm sucking down a bloody on a Sunday, Mary. You know, yeah. I mean, people morning, are like, okay, yeah. but, we're, but it was. We're still going to church, okay? <laughs> we're not going to get loaded before yeah, there we get there. There were a lot there. of churchy people there. Uh, the Walnut Room is the first ever restaurant to open inside a department store. I hmm. did not know that. Isn't that unique in and of itself? Hey, Tony in Elk Grove, what's the old school, the neighborhood bar that you know of? Uh, we're going to go with Richards on Grand in Halstead. I love uh, Richards. Yeah. yeah it's, you, can uh, you it's still, a great bar. Can you still smoke in Richards? 
Yes, you can. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't want to throw that out there, but uh, yeah. Everyone yeah, knows that throw. secret. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. But uh, yeah, that's a great buy. I'll tell you a little story. Please. I went in there, and uh, I didn't have any cash on me. I thought they had a, a ATM in there. Uh-huh. So I'm running around the neighborhood kind of looking for an ATM, and I couldn't find one. I walk in, and I'm like, oh, he, the owner, great guy, he goes, here, gives me $100. He doesn't know me from anything. Gives me 100 bucks. He goes, there, when you come in next time, give me, you know, just give it back. Just give it back. Just give wow. it back. I said, wow. okay. I go in there the next day. I made sure I went in back there and gave him the 100 back. Heck, but, yeah. Well, why not? I was going to spend the money at his place anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he, he knew right. you. He, you had the, you know what, Tony? You looked like a good customer. We appreciate that. <laughs> exactly. Thanks a lot. He's, uh, yeah, Richards is a, a, a classic, if you will, for the city of Chicago. Yeah, I had that on my list. Have you I guys ever Richards. been to the Green Mill? Love the green and the green door. And the green door. The but green the, the green door survived the Chicago fire. Yes. Right? One of the only wood structures, structures. Yeah, yeah, survived, wood structures. right? God. But the green mill is great because if you want to see a real piece of gangster history, you can sit in the booth. Al Capone used to sit. This is at the Green Door. uh, Green Mill. No, Green Green Mill. Mill. Green Mill. So named as a cousin to the Moulin Rouge, the Red Mill. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you can sit in the booth where Al Capone used to sit, where you could see the entrance and the exit at the same time. Gotta have your back to the wall. And he had a trap door underneath. And apparently, according to legend, you can still go down there. Stop it. And get out of the Green Mill. You slide down off your booth and go into the trap door. There's a trap door. You just go down and then you get, get away from the federales. I, for me, it would be Tax like evasion. an ex-girlfriend walks in, yeah. and I'm like, hit the trap door, let's get out of here. That's the new way to Street do it. Treat like a hotel fire. Oh Stay low to the ground. Gosh. Don't use the elevators. You know, just get out of the building. Yeah. Oh, it's it's uh, it's Jane. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Oh, that is fantastic. I so, love anything in El Capone, as does much of the country. Yeah. yeah. We could so, do a whole segment. Not Greg Geraldo, though. So the oldest yeah. pub in Britain closing after 1,229 <laughs> years. And they're, they've survived. Just think of what that pub has survived. Mm. But it couldn't survive COVID, according to the... Uh, uh, go figure that out. And a good morning to you. A, uh, a happy Wednesday. A happy National Pizza Day, by the way. That's ought to be a national holiday, nice. quite honestly, yeah. if, if you ask me. Uh, so uh, uh, that's fantastic. I've got a Twitter poll up, by the way. Let's see if we can settle the debate on what real Chicago pizza is. Is it the deep dish or is it the tavern style? There's a debate. Don't, don't blame me. There's a correct answer. There is a correct <laughs> answer. But we'll find out how many people know it at the Bruce St. James. You can uh, uh, go online and uh, you can um, on the Twitter machine and you can, you can vote your heart away. Um, so... I think it, it, it strikes me that we are coming to, I say we, the city of Chicago is coming to the realization that the Chicago Bears are serious about leaving and that there may not be anything that the city can do to keep them here. Um, I don't I it, The way things have been going. I think the city is not even trying to keep them here. We had I, some leaked uh, emails and yeah. texts a couple weeks ago uh, uh, that came out. I say leaked. It was Freedom of Information Act stuff from the city uh, showing that negotiations are not um, what is it, robust. They're not even <laughs> ongoing. Yeah, that's okay? a nice way They're to put it. lukewarm invitations to you know talk, and that's not even happened as far as we know. 
So Mayor Lightfoot has announced a 23-member working group. When you're in government, that's all you do. You create a committee uh, to figure out, all right, what do we do with that? What do we what do we do with the museum campus area? What do we do with Soldier Field? Uh, I, I mean, I'm excited. It, that museum campus. I, I, I don't know if people realize that a lot of times people like will go to the Field Museum and just go to the Field Museum. They won't even like kind of look around. Well, the yeah, shed is right the there. The shed is there. The, but you just There's a planetarium. The Soldier Field. You go to the one place. It is on the lakefront. Oh, it's it is prime real estate. Oh, my I'll gosh. give you that. The views from the shed are on I, like nothing you. But ever do you seen just before. leave a big mm-hmm. empty stadium? What do no, you do the, with the, the stadium? Point. It's mm-hmm. part of that museum campus, and I think they can incorporate that back in very nicely. It's a really big building built specifically for football. Yeah. What do yeah, you do with it? It is okay. Well, so here's an idea I was reading about. You just walk through it and go. This is where the Bears used to play. Well, now do the Chicago Fire still play there? They're they're back to there from Bridgeport because they're Bridgeview, whatever. Yeah, no, they play like in they they used to play in Toyota somewhere. Used to play like Toyota Park. They do play some foosball there. They do. Okay, so we got some foosball going back to Soldier Field. We had the World Cup here one year. It was so exciting. Yeah, it was multiple. City. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so there are Africa. things you can do with it, but I think even aside from sports. Holding out for the World Cup. By the way, you're not even going to get it every four years. You're going to get it every 24 years. Yeah. Well, that that's might, just that one might not thing. be a way to hold out, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, in the winter of 1958, after the creation of man-made snow, the field, Soldier Field, was the home to a miniature ski resort complete with two ski jumps and a toboggan slide. Come on! I could see Aspen in Chicago. Awesome! I mean, they could. You could reinvent the stadium to Bring have year-round. There you go, motor year-round tourism. I mm. think it would. I I think it would work. Well, it's gonna it's gonna have to work. I think because I think one of the problems leave, is 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 when the city is doing it. Do you trust the city? To put no. a ski jump in there, which I'm going to say hard no, they're not going to do it. No, you have someone else uh, do it. You know, and if it's going to be popular, if it's going to be interesting, it's probably going to take a private group to do something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, don't forget. The so city will plant a freaking garden and expect you to go wander around on the 50-yard well, line. Yeah, that's the issue, right? You can't. But there is also the problem with the open space policy on the lakefront, too. You can't do. I mean, yeah. First of all, well, you can't tear it down. Yeah, either. you mm-hmm. can. It's Soldier Field. It's a memorial. But don't forget, it's owned by the Chicago Park District. They're mm-hmm. the ones who actually own Soldier Field. So uh, you have to add that into the you know equation of what's, what's going to happen. But yeah, I, I don't think the city would be interested in putting. Uh, I, maybe they would, but I, you think they would they would farm it out to some other group to to do. But the point is, they're looking at Soldier Field now as a year round destination. Not well, just something that, you know, host something now and then. No, it's going to be somewhere you can go and maybe it'll change. They do that at Navy Pier. They do a great job of changing. Navy Pier changes yeah, the but, season. But Soldier Field, I mean, and, and to be fair, there's what? I mean, even with preseason, 10 events a year for the Bears. You know, I mean, 10, 10 days slash nights a year that they use that. I'm no math ways at three. It's like 350 days, days they left. don't. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? But it is symbolic when you lose the main tenant. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, no one is going to look upon Soldier Field and go, you know, they've got that great swap meet there every uh, uh, first Sunday. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's 
it is the home of the Chicago Bears, and will it ever be anything different? And could it ever be anything different? I say we get at least a 30-day residency with the Grateful Dead. That's the way. You could have, on. How many Come concerts on. could you have there? Yeah, it move Lollapalooza there. You could do a lot of. Well, oh, the city's doing it. They yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing. Nobody wants to have to deal with the city as your tenant. You know, you'd, you'd rather go somewhere else. And it, when there is a new stadium in Arlington, and you have a quote unquote stadium tour, you know, you two Rolling Stones, which stadium you think they want to play at? No. Header parking so, out in Arlington. The new True. one? Yeah. Or that one. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I think yeah. you run so into weird. a lot of that. Well, I, I, it reminds me of, uh, so in Washington, D.C., they had RFK Stadium. Okay? And that's where the team formerly known as the Redskins played. And they left. And RFK sat empty for 30-something years, just in the middle of the neighborhood. There was a stadium just falling apart. It was. I was like, "What are we? It's going to become like the Parthenon for God's sakes!" It's gonna, like we're going we're gonna have archaeologists come in and go. This is where the men played football, you know, and, <laughs> and the and the stone is falling off of it and things like that. But I mean, they just could never figure out anything else that you could you could do there. You what, know, what and, is it now? I think they is eventually it still tore there? it down. I think they eventually tore yeah, it down. That's, RFK that's, Stadium. That's called not having vision. I mean. Yeah. Well, it was but, it, it was in a, a dodgy neighborhood. Yeah. I'm saying that nice, you know. And but here again, location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Even if you could, Soldier Field is else, a great location. Yeah. But you and say nobody, build something else. It's always going to be a football stadium. What can you do with a football stadium when you're not playing football? Gladiatorial combat. Now you're cooking. All right. How? This is it. We get Judy. She's in. She's in. Mm-hmm. She's in the blood mm-hmm. sport. She's jousting. in the octagon. Yeah, and jousting. Like Turn into one of those big places. What, 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 those uh, restaurants where they joust in the middle. Oh yeah, yeah. medieval times. Medieval, medieval times. Times. You know huge medieval they, times. You too good for too long. You put a tent over that little stadium. Okay, wait a minute. Now we have to tent the stadium. Yeah, you put a tent over it. Oh my Atlanta. It becomes something else. It just changes every month. Yeah, and then the bears would go, why wouldn't you put a tent over it for us? We're freezing our you-know-what's off around this place. <laughs> well, they so were you want to create the Thunderdome, Judy? Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, man like, it's, I mean <laughs> like a tent from the olden days. Ye olden. No, I like the idea of turning it into a, a gladiatorial arena of some sort. I mean, the number of events that you could hold in that place is massive. I mean, say you want to have, I don't know, are you guys like UFC people? I don't like you could put a UFC ring in you there. You keep and saying just... you could put. I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Those are those are companies. True. And they choose venues based on making money. And if Soldier Field was a great place to hold UFC events, they would have done it already. Like mm-hmm. what stopped them up until now? Do you see what I'm saying? Like there's nothing that has stopped you using it the 350 days out of the year. The Bears aren't playing football in it. That's the that's the struggle. That's the if it was such a great place and a great concert venue, well, why hasn't anybody been using? There's nothing stopping you from doing it. You know, there's what, eight months out of the year where they're not playing football, which, by the way, are but, some of the good months here. And who you know? knows, though? Maybe the city hasn't been receptive to that. And we have had some great concerts there. Bruce Springsteen, The Stones. I mean, they have held some. You're Grateful Dead. Yeah. weren't even for the, the real 50th people. 50th anniversary. I mean, they have, yeah, and people, if you have it, people will come. 
We're gonna have to. You're work. right. People might be used to those wheel the rolling stones stadiums, out. They're gonna, they're gonna the be strolling in bones. Oh, they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna be <laughs> using motorized scooters I on stage. You know, they're gonna bones. sit there and wander around. Okay. And there's, <laughs> some, there's something cool about going to Soldier Field, right? That there so. is. Still time for our criminal of the day. I got to give a shout out to Christopher Singleton of Leesburg, Florida, who learned the hard way just because you see it on TV. Doesn't make it legal. Allegedly, Mr. Singleton was driving just outside Orlando when he was pulled over for not having license plates. It happens. Upon approaching the truck, the officer noticed the strong smell of marijuana wafting from the vehicle. But Chris kept his game face on and denied using or possessing the weed. A search found a purple Crown Royal bag, which, like nearly every Crown Royal bag on the planet, Contained no Crown Royal, but was full of a leafy green substance, a joint, and a baggie of psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> when asked about the shrooms, Singleton offered a unique defense. He had recently watched a show on Netflix about magic mushrooms and wanted to try them. While he could not remember the name of the show, possibly due to ingesting the mushrooms, a quick search of Netflix pops up. Uh, have a good trip, Adventures in Psychedelics, as the likely suspect. <laughs> I'll be sure to add it to my list. Yeah. So for going all Netflix Netflix and trip, you, Christopher Singleton, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law. No matter how crazy they are. Hey, good morning and a happy Wednesday to you. And as the great philosopher... Bon Jovi once said, we're halfway there. Here's what's coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. You might have seen the stories about Amir Locke. This is the man who was killed in his home during a police raid while in the possession of a legal firearm. Now a Minnesota gun rights group is being criticized after expressing support for Locke. We'll uh, tell you what happened and why the group is under fire after 645. You can expect some milder weather the next couple of days here in the Chicago area, but don't be fooled. We talk with our meteorologist, Ray Stajic, and get your midweek weather forecast. And Cub fans hoping for a way to watch without cable, but you're going to need another streaming service to do it. We'll tell you why in just a few minutes, but first, uh, sources say, oh, those are my favorite ones, uh, Governor Pritzker will lay out a plan to end the statewide mask mandate. This, of course, comes uh, days after confusion for parents regarding mask mandates in schools, legal challenges, etc. I guess, you know, for, for me, masks and vaccines, I'm going to throw them in there with it, are not political. Uh, this is not a political argument to me. I'm a fan of science. I took every science class they had in high school. I loved it. You know, if it wasn't for the math part, I might still be doing science today. All right? Loved it. I believe in science. But science is not a... A truism uh, in the sense of science changes. I'll give you an example. The scientific method, tried and true. The scientific method is four parts. Number one, you make an observation that describes a problem. Number two, you create a hypothesis. Number three, you test that hypothesis. hypothesis. And number four, you draw conclusions and you refine the hypothesis. Following the science means evolving your position based on all available data and info. Is that what Governor Pritzker is doing? Is he following the science? And if he is, like the state of California, the state of New Jersey, we're hearing about places that had mask mandates that are doing it. If he's following the science, how can other places continue to stare blindly in the face of science and saying this isn't happening? Right. I mean, it, the metrics is, you know, the, the mitigations, I'm using all their words, the administration's words, 
it, that's what we relied solely on when we put all these mitigations into effect. And I, I'm behind Absolutely, the science at yes. the time. You, okay. So now you're right. I mean, I guess state by state, they're making decisions, I think, at this point based on hospitalizations. I mean, deaths are way down. Um, you know, there are still COVID cases, and it's the hospitalizations that are. But, I, and I understand our hospitals are a little full in Illinois, but nowhere near those metrics that they used to use to say why we you have to wear masks keep and why the goalposts. Right. I mean, yeah, you have. You know, here's the thing. He hasn't. I don't. I haven't heard anything from him. I mean, the, he's got to say something. And I think what he's going <laughs> to say, what the sources say, he's going to say, something. is he is going to lift the mask mandate, but slowly. It's not going to be all right. Next Tuesday, you can take your mask. It's going to be all right. You know, and- the minute he puts a date on the calendar, it's going to be over for most people. I don't. Get, what's the difference between today and next Thursday? Oh type yeah. Thing? And not only that, apparently though, not for schools, which is what I think started all this. We had a we had a ruling here in Illinois two days ago that changed, the, you know, uh, the the mask mandate for schools. And of all the things, the sources say that he's gonna he's probably not gonna change the mask mandate for schools because they are appealing that ruling. They they the state uh, got, Pritzker basically did lose. So that's going to, the pushback on that is going to be crazy. I, I get back to, to numbers, and I'm not good at math, so I have to rely on other people and uh, preferably color-coded things. That's always very helpful. If the strict mitigations, and, and, and if you're unclear, Illinois has stricter mitigations than most other states. Uh, uh, from uh, vaccine requirement to go into a public building to mask mandates indoors. Okay, just so we're clear, that that's not unique to Illinois, but we are on the fewer side of the states that do that. If that was the thing that helped, why aren't Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Kentucky, why aren't their numbers dramatically worse than ours? Because none of them have the same restrictions. The reality is they're not. Some of them are better. So my argument is, if you could prove to me that these things have fundamentally changed the course, if you will, of COVID, well, you've got an argument. But if you can't show a difference between a mask mandate in one state and and you drive down the I-80 and the minute you cross into the other state and there's no mask mandate, well, they must be dropping like flies. Yet they're not. Well, for sure, a lot of states, including those states, are dealing with high hospitalizations. Now, here in Illinois, so back on Monday night, they had 2,600 COVID COVID patients in the hospital. That's the fewest since December 2nd, so that's, that's a good. good thing, right? However, in southern Illinois, a lot of the hospitals are still stretched pretty thin. Like they, they're saying here, Monday night, these numbers, three ICU beds available for the entire region, southern Illinois. And, and don't think those other states aren't also seeing that. But again, but, it's the number of deaths are down. The number of cases are down. At, at this point, and we've been saying this for a while, it is what it is. It, you know, if you don't get vaccinated... I mean, that's what's going to happen. What you know? What do you guys think? Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. I think we're all in agreement that no masks, but should we take it slower? Here's my here's my gut feeling about this, and I think this is what is happening to Pritzker. Nobody 
Nobody ever wants to go back, right? We've done that, been there, done that, where we've we've loosened the restrictions and then boom, had to shut down again. And but I just feel like we're past that. But I think there's still that threat, that fear well, that I, we might have to do that, and I nobody wants to fear. do that. That Illinois Pritzker says it's not Illinois, and Chicago says it still is. Chicago doesn't remove its restrictions. The city does. You just saw that in California. The state been, of California the whole time. is getting rid of some of its mandates, mm-hmm. but Los Angeles County is not. Hey, Rob, in Evergreen Park, you know, I mean, the, yeah. you can't you can't follow the science only when it when it fits your narrative, right? Exactly. Like you know, I was always kind of thought of science as like you know, there's. You know, science can, you know, it's okay to not have the answers. You can have questions without answers. Sure. But in this case, it was like, you can't question the answers. Like, there's no, you know, there's no, like, Well, there are facts, you know. I mean, I will give you that. There are facts. But the thing about science is, that fact may change. It may evolve. Absolutely. Right? I mean, you know, as we learn things, the facts change. But certain facts about, like, the mask. I mean, there's, there's. They never, they never, there's always research there that these, these cotton masks didn't work. They didn't mm-hmm. use them in mm-hmm. hospitals prior to that. For a reason. Everybody in the hospital working with a mask on until COVID came around, and they still work, you know. That, that, that's, N95 masks aren't comfortable, so they had to go with that. I, I, I think, you know, I appreciate that, Rob. I, I think some of it is, is driven by, and, and the frustrating thing for me is do something. Look busy. You know what I'm saying? And they couldn't just say, well, we really don't have enough data on this. Are we? Do-? It's the better safe than sorry argument. And I do not live by better safe than sorry. I just don't. I'm not, no, I'm not interested in better safe than sorry. But that, the that governor is- of Illinois is, and he has to be. You know what I mean? He's a public official. He has to be. But I, I do. I mean, it sounds like we will have some good news today. <laughs> Maybe not the best news that we want, but... But you're right. The second he says on this day you can take your mask off, we're not going to. Everyone's going to start taking them off. I tell you guys, I don't. I see people now not wearing masks. No, everywhere. Okay, like 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 the rest of the country where nobody wears masks, (laughs) and they're they'll be fine. And some people won't. And the mask won't be the difference between you making it or not. That's Mm -hmm. the reality of it. And the science, again, follow the science, even if it doesn't reinforce what you believe. Facts are still facts. Hey, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Appreciate you spending some time with us today. And uh, maybe already, you know, we're getting a little bit closer to spring training. But we can look forward to it. Is the Hopefully some of the snow melts today. Is there going to be no strike? I was just hearing about a potential strike this whole time. Where could, are we? Could Where happen. are we with that? We could oh. have a lockout, too. You're right. So one of the two is going to happen, a lockout or spring training. And um, if you want to watch your Chicago Cubs, it might get a little harder to follow the team this year, Judy. Okay. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's already difficult to follow the team. I feel like it's not on. You know, Channel Nine anymore, which is what we're regular TV. Yeah, WGN America, where everyone saw it all over the country, really at one time. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why, of course, the Cubs are so popular, right? So now, and right, Nick, I I feel like I come home from from lunch and you'd watch a baseball game or Bozo Circus. I think now, I yeah, I pay I pay extra to already watch the Cubs. Yeah, 
I'm pretty sure on my, you know, ATT U-verse. Yeah, for the Marquee I have like Network. A, yeah, the Marquee Network, exactly. So now uh, they're talking about uh, another service that we're going to, what, are they going to go off that network and not be streamed, or is There's, this an addition? And I think that's kind of where they're, they're headed. And I think that baseball has been watching, maybe more specifically football, on how they're doing it, and watching the numbers of people that watch on the NFL Network app or the NFL Network exclusively. So they, they basically produce their own content and run it on their own station, and then they make money from the advertising, they make money from the subscriptions, You know, they make money from uh, multiple sources of revenue. And the Cubs and MLB are looking to do something similar. Well, I thought the MLB didn't like this. I'm confused. I thought this was the Cubs were doing this on their own. Because that would be different if they were in in with the league, then everyone would go that way, right? But and and I think that the the Major League Baseball doesn't like the idea of competition for it, right? To say exactly. the least, exactly. Because yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs are too. The, the Cubs are Let's talking to another uh, broadcast company about launching this. The Cubs channel, for right. lack of well, better terms. You know? It says a streaming service for customers without a cable or satellite subscription. Right. So I feel like my subscription that I already pay for. You would extra, have to download an app, right. for example. Right. So if they can't. Pay, because, pay for it. Well, it's not going to be free. So, you know what? <laughs> I can tell you that right I know, now. But this is, uh, this is, it should be free. I, am I being naive? Whoa. I think it should you, be sports should be free. Sports should be free. Do they not make enough money? No, on, really? No. <laughs> Come on. No, they're in business to make money. But they make money on the station they're on. That's you know not as much they? money. No, yeah. that's oh, the sad part. God. Radio God. hosts should be free. <laughs> no, it's a business. I get it. And if you want to watch the Cubs, they're gonna they're gonna find out uh, what the. Um, uh, what the maximum level of revenue they can they can generate? This this happens around the world. This happens in other sports. This is not unique. So, in are there itself. other uh, baseball teams that already do this? I think the Yankees, right? The Yankees have, have their own network, the Yes Network. Does that sound right? Yankee mm. Entertainment Sports or something I, like I that. I don't voluntarily watch the Yankees. Nobody so does. It sounds about right. <laughs> it could be any. It could be called the you know. Uh, the corn network and i would be like sure that's yankees television why but, not but it's a network that's the big difference here mm-hmm. from what they're proposing yeah. uh, rather than this you know streaming service if you want to call it that yeah, but isn't the marquee network the cubs yes that yes. is yes they already have a network well but now but they this, want more yeah right they, I, want they more. always want more yeah i don't have cable here so this would be the only way i could get a cubs game here Besides listening to it on the radio. And that's next, I'm sure. They'll so, take it off the radio and they'll have to pay for a podcast. It would be uh, $18 a month would mm-hmm. be what you would pay for the streaming uh, uh, app. I'm just going to call it an app. You know what sure. I mean? Uh, the channel, mm-hmm. if you will. It would be $18 a month to watch Cubs games. Well, when you think about it, that is less than what a Mai Tai costs at Wrigley Field. So <laughs> I might be okay with that. Because I can tell you right now the Mai Tai is $20. Oh, oh yeah. And the tickets, I mean, I, I can't, I don't even, I used to like going to Cubs games. I'm sure I still would, but I, the cost is so appalling to me, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So maybe, maybe. Here's your goodbye tip of, the goodbye girl goodbye tip of the girl, day. Yeah, Bring your exactly. own Mai Tais, sneak well, it in a pocket. if you can, yeah. absolutely. But it's not as easy as you think. Well, I mean, you know. The the price is the price. It's just like um, uh, ticket prices going up as well. Sure. 
Like, I'm not going to pay it. Well, get out of the way because there's somebody behind you with money in their hand. There's you always know? someone willing to do it. Uh, that, uh, that there are plenty of people that want to that want to pay the freight. Uh, I think that the Cubs are maybe overestimating their value, though, uh, in the sense of people paying an extra subscription on top of your Netflix, your Disney Plus, your cable bill, whatever it is that you're going to pay on top of that just to watch Cubs games. I yeah it's it doesn't sit well with me i so now and i'll and i blame the cub you know what i mean i'm gonna look more poorly on the cubs as a whole and say that well, no, i don't need to watch your games then if you're gonna make it so difficult and so expensive i'm not interested go watch the socks instead cheaper you know all they, that and they're still on tv right yeah, they're TV, totally right? Still on, yeah i yeah, think they have an exclusive what? agreement with nbc sports chicago um but yeah, you can still watch. Yeah, the so there games you either. go. They're they're a baseball team. Why aren't they? Because well, you have to pay Bruce, for NBC you say sports. that mm-hmm. you have to pay for NBC. That's sports. true. Oh, you do. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, they're on network. Yeah, so okay. that's not like on Channel Five. No, okay. no, no. Nobody's I, on broadcast TV. Broadcast right. TV doesn't make any money, though. which is a shame because my children will not grow up knowing no, the watching. love of baseball yeah, because I it's just, not on the television. The world like, has changed, Nick. I hate to break yeah. it to you. The world has changed. That the, see, this is where I think the government should come in. and, and, and The government? Yeah. <laughs> no, don't get baseball. the government involved. <laughs> this is a the past, government this should is, mandate yeah, baseball. This is our pastime in America, and they need to come in and say, no, you need to stay on regular TV. Welcome to the oh IRS classic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a fantasy, but this is what I mean. Sports, it needs, yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, it's just kind sad. I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, my Lanta. Hey, good morning and happy Wednesday to you. It's Bruce and Judy, and you know what? It's 32 degrees outside. It feels like a warming Ooh. trend, as opposed yeah. to what it's been recently. And we might even get up a warm enough day. So I can tell when the snow is melting because on my walk through the mean streets of Streeterville, come for the pier, stay for the tussle. I can hear the storm sewers, and I hear water rushing, Gosh, and I can yeah, tell yeah. by the by like the how loud it is as to how much water. So I heard some I heard some water this morning, which means to me maybe some of the snow starting to melt off. Right? Absolutely. Finger, fingers crossed in there, uh, and the weather is going to be changing a little bit for us. Joining us right now is Ray Stajic, the senior radio broadcast meteorologist. Good morning to you, Ray. Wow, that sounds important, Bruce. Doesn't it, though? I'm sure Ooh. it looks good on a business card. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm does. sure it does. That, that, and, uh, that and five bucks will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Uh, yeah, well. Ray, we're going to see it warm up a little bit. That That's a good thing, right? Uh, yeah, if you're not a snow lover, right? Like <laughs> myself, I like cold and snow, so I'm kind of like, what the heck is this? But um, after 46 on the first day of the month, everybody was thinking, well, maybe we're on our way now. Well, then we had a little bit of snow, 5.4 inches the next day, and it's been all downhill since then to give us the month so far, even though we're just about a week into it, that's been on average two degrees below normal. But as you said, Bruce, we are looking better, feeling better as we're going to spend a day near 40 today, a little bit of a dip tomorrow, and then probably into the 40s again on Friday, and then colder by the weekend, but no real extreme cold. We're not talking about lows near zero or anything like that, but um, you know, a couple of weak Alberta clippers will come in, give us some light scattered precipitation, none of it accumulating too much, rain and or snow. But I think we trend milder for a few days, a little bit colder by the weekend. And Valentine's Day, maybe not getting to 30, but maybe back up near 40 by Tuesday next week. So the trend right now is our friend, and the trend is more above average temperatures than below average coming in the next seven days. I'll take it. 
Okay, I, I didn't hear anything past we might get some precipitation. So are you not wanting to say the word snow? And are we, um, is it going to be snow? It's interesting, um, Ray, because I heard another meteorologist. What? You're cheating on Ray? I know. I, I, I like to make fun of him, the other one. But he's, oh. he said, um, you know, we might have a little bit of snowfall, maybe just to cover the grass. And I thought to myself, what grass? I haven't seen grass. In, there's no grass anywhere. It's all covered with snow. It's still all covered with snow. Yeah, it's just so funny. So what, what is it? Come on, be honest. Are we going to get snow? Yeah, I think tomorrow night into uh, Friday morning, we could cover the ground with another dusting. Um, you know, models trying to spit out maybe up to an inch in some spots. The problem is, is that it's going to be marginal in terms of temperatures. as temperatures may actually rise a bit overnight, and so there might be a little rain mixed in and then colder for the weekend as that storm system passes. Um, you know, I don't believe in fantasies and anything that's uh, way out in the future beyond um, let's see, three days, really, wow. because there's always a lot of change. Yeah, you ask anybody in the business mm-hmm. that I work with, Bruce, I tell them I'm a three-day guy. Three-day guy. I go, out beyond, I go out beyond three days, and it's like, you know what? Take it with a grain of salt. You got everybody walking around looking at their app, and they're saying, well, the app said this, and the app said this. There could be drastic changes even in a five-day forecast, okay. um, but it does look like um, we're, we're not done with winter and, I'll say it, Judy, snow. I don't mm. think we're done with snow as we look ahead toward the middle and maybe the last part of the month as uh, the guidance suggesting maybe a little colder and stormier from about the 15th to the 25th. Now, that's out there in fantasy land, but the long range gives you basically trends. And if you look at trends, you look at, well, if it says most of the days are colder and there's a couple of storms maybe coming through, at one point or another, I mean, it's only early February. Look, let's be realistic here. It's, it's still February in Chicago. Snow again. Yeah, right. let's, let's, well, but, Ray, have you taken into account what the groundhog said? Because I know you guys rely on that, <laughs> do right? You, do you get your meteorological forecast from rodents? I mean, he said six more weeks of winter, so I went on the hunch, and that's why it said it's probably going to snow again. Okay. <laughs> Officially right. six more weeks of winter. So, And listen, we can have some big storms in February and even March. So I think we've still got a solid month and a half, even two months to go before we climb out of a, you know, anything where we stop mentioning the S word. But it does seem that we're, I don't want to use the term pine track, but it is still, even with these couple uh, snowstorms we've had, we're, we're kind of behind the average, if you will. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, in terms of snowfall, we're behind, believe it or not, only by about a half an inch. Since oh, really? Okay. Of December. Now, since the 1st of July, which means there's been snow before um, December 1st, traditionally it's two and a half. So it's not much. 21.9 officially. Now, remember, everybody, we measure us meteorological type officially at O'Hare at the airport. So some have seen more, some have seen less. And again, it, it depends on location. That's just a dot. That's just a snowboard that they measure on, all right? So it's just one little board that they're measuring snow. Some have seen a bunch a more over, two, <laughs> over 200 inches in the UP of Michigan, but a lot of that's been lake effect. So it's been a banner season up there. Uh, but other places like uh, Cleveland and uh, jump on over in a place like Syracuse, New York, they're like 20 plus inches below normal. So it varies from place to place. And even around town, some have seen more some have seen less. Like the last storm, we had you know, double digit snow down near Kankakee and Point South and into southwestern Indiana. Yeah, that was a big one. Ray, have we had yeah. a, a harsh winter? Would you call this a harsh winter or a relatively normal winter? 
I think we've had bouts of harshness. I know December was mild. January turned a little colder and below average, but I would put it in kind of the context of it's been more typical of a La Nina winter. And if you don't know what La Nina is, we don't have mm-hmm. enough time to explain it, but what La Nina does, it keeps us at or maybe even slightly above average in terms of temperatures. And I think we'll probably average out about that for the winter when we close out winter in uh, let's see, December, January, February, those are the official winter months. And in terms of precipitation, maybe slightly below average, which we're also trending right now. So I wouldn't say harsh. I go back a couple of years when I was talking here on uh, WLS. I can remember we've had some mornings that were in the 20s below zero actual air temperatures. That's harsh. We haven't seen, I don't think, many, if any, at least officially at O'Hare, below zero actual air temperatures this winter, so I wouldn't think too harsh. I'm going with manageable if you ask me to give it a word. I'll take it. I appreciate yeah. it. Ray, thank you so much That's for right. your time this okay. morning. See you guys. He's Ray Stajic, senior radio broadcast meteorologist at the Weather Channel as we take a look at what's in store for the rest of the week. And uh, uh, again, while there may be, what I hear is there may be a little sprinkling of snow for the most part. <sighs> It's warming up a little bit. Listen, when the number starts with a three, I feel like yeah. I can yeah, wear T-shirts true. again. You know, I can. <laughs> uh, it, it is funny how your uh, your scale changes when you've been in cold for the weeks that we have, and you've seen the single digit numbers and the wind chill, and all of a sudden it says it's thirty something degrees outside. You know, warm yeah, summer day. Yeah. yeah, we're doing good, right? That oh, guy's going to be wearing shorts in my neighborhood again. I'm I pretty sure. Would, I, I'm surprised to see your coat here. Yeah, I didn't need it that much. I didn't think I needed you, much of a Did coach. you turn on the warming function? Didn't need the warming function. There you go. No, That's no. how you know you're... You know it's cold when you need to turn the built-in <laughs> heater on in your coat. <laughs> Excuse have you me, turned, sir. Have turn you turned the on. heat on yet in your condo? I haven't really needed to. Okay, yeah. That's good. Keep the windows open. I do crack the windows a little at night. Come like on. a little cold air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I can do that. Yeah, no, I, no, not no, I'm, no, I, I'm bizarre. I've got like heavy covers. I like to be warm under the covers, but like when I stick my foot out, I want it to be freezing. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I have a fan going. You can't have the fan going. I, I have a fan going people. 24 hours a yeah. day for 365 days a year. I burned out fans. I think it's more the sound. I do like the sound. Yeah, it's nice the sound. Wiping. I know people who need a fan, and it's that. Yeah. I'm a study in. Opposites to say the least. (laughs) How do you get your 890 each day? We we'll make it easy. Just you can listen on your smart speaker. All you have to do is enable the skill. You can say, Alexa, enable the WLS skill or visit the skill section of your Alexa smartphone app and search for WLS AM 890. Either way, after you've enabled the skill, super easy to listen just by saying, Alexa, open WLS. All right, there you go. Mine must be muted this morning. She's uh, not yelling at me. Well, I know I, the kids were playing with it last night. Otherwise, ooh. she'd be squawking at me. Okay, well, maybe I need to talk louder. I'll try to do that. <laughs> Let's not. Uh, <laughs> I'll yell her name more often. I love it when it sets off in your house. Have you been paying attention to the Amir Locke story? Amir Locke uh, was a 22-year-old uh, young man in Minneapolis. And... Uh, Cops conducted what they uh, these no knock raids, you know, just kick in the door type raids. Uh, no, no, no. They they use keys to open the door. Right, but it's called a no knock raid. Right. Where you, yeah. You, which you, I, but I've never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, and so they you know bust in the door, start yelling. It was early in the morning, uh, and 
Mr. Locke was sleeping on the couch. He was wrapped in a blanket. We know this because there's a body cam uh, footage. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, he had a gun nearby. And the door comes open. People are yelling and screaming. He wakes up. He's dazed. He has the gun in his hand and is shot and killed by police. The whole thing from the time they open the door to the time he shot is like nine seconds, I think, total. So there's a debate about no-knock raids that we can have. I think they're horrible. I think they just lead to nothing but tragedy. But where are the gun rights groups? The reason I bring that up is Amir Locke had a license to carry his gun. He was a lawful legal gun owner. He had no criminal record. And he was inside the house, <laughs> his own home, armed which is what groups like the NRA tell you to do. And the fact that they haven't come out strongly and said, hey, you're allowed to have a gun in your own home, legally, lawfully, licensed, registered. You're, that's what you're supposed to have. Isn't that what they are pushing for? So count me as one that is disappointed, but not surprised, that these gun rights groups haven't come out. One of them that did is, of course, facing heat for it yeah the minnesota gun owners caucus a nonprofit lobbying organization um you know criticizing the police department and so then this um another gun i guess owners uh, or gun club criticized them so they were criticizing the police saying he was a law-abiding gun owner he was not the suspect. They were. He wasn't. For, they, they were looking they were for him. He wasn't for named a, in a warrant. Yeah, a homicide suspect. Yeah, yeah, he was perfectly innocent. Why wouldn't you immediately come to the to the defense of a gun owner, a, le- a, lawful, a lawful legal gun owner in his, in his home, home who was shot and killed yeah. by police, right, for doing nothing other than exercising his Second Amendment? Yeah, rights. the guy, the guy for the group Legally. is getting totally, you know, right beaten up online and from another gun rights group saying like that he's supporting Antifa and you know what is he doing and Black Lives Matter it's so weird I don't understand how I don't there's such a disconnect here I don't know what to say about this one gun rights group criticizing another right and 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 yeah you start to get to where this is all coming from too i mean you know it's not hard to peel this onion back and start seeing where they're where they're going with this that the second amendment apparently only applies to some people yeah doesn't apply to everybody you know i actually went to the nra website i was curious i i was looking to see if the nra had commented on this or had come out or made a statement in any way shape or form and on the NRA website, right the second, you feel free to go and check it yourself. They have a thing. They have a story right on the front page about Ukrainians arming themselves. R- regular citizens arming themselves to defend their homes against the Russians. Mm-hmm. It's right there on their front page. They have nothing about a 22-year-old Minnesota man armed to defend himself in his house. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Ukrainians, they want to be armed. Americans, what's the issue? What's different? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the victim, the 22-year-old, he had a permit to carry the gun. He didn't have a criminal record, as you said. He had a gun because he was a DoorDash driver. Yeah, he feared for his safety. He'd had issues before, and so he carried a gun when he was doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. And he was asleep on a couch when cops kicked the door in. 
and shot him for reaching for his gun, which is what you would do if you were a gun owner and somebody kicked in your door. (laughs) You know, that's the reason you have it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, had they had it not been a no knock warrant, had it been a knock, knock, we have a warrant, please, please come to the door, we're coming in. I mean, they just announce and then they go in. That would have could have changed everything. He wouldn't have shown if up at the door with a gun. Citizen, yeah. and he had, and he was obviously the gun was n- near him. If he had the gun, I think at that point he would make sure he didn't have the gun in his hand, mm-hmm. knowing you know that this could end very badly, which it did. But it would have changed everything. Yeah. So yeah. So and the police department has they immediately stopped the no knock after that shooting. Nick. Did I just uh, did I miss something? So what was the warrant for? They were looking for somebody else. They were looking but for not a, him. Okay, no, okay. they were looking for yeah, a homicide suspect. suspect. Well, uh, and he was not the homicide suspect. He was not named in the warrant. You kick my door in, I'm or use key. Yeah. You enter my house without asking, you're going to get shot. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this guy did. I mean, well, and and you know what? I get. I'm going to tell you, they don't do these no knock raids everywhere. And I can tell you, you know where they really don't do them in places with high gun gun ownership. Rates. Sure, sure. Yeah, you, know, right. you don't do a no knock raid in Arizona or Texas. Why? No. Because people are going to fire back with bigger weapons than you came in the door with. You know? Note to self, yeah. don't drop by Nick's house unannounced. Yeah. No, but, that's but, very true. But isn't yeah. that fundamentally kind of what the NRA has stood for in the past? Yeah. Their silence in this speaks volumes. And I, I, it's, it's the reason I, will, I would never join a group like the NRA. They're not actually for it. This is about... True civil rights. Yeah, this mean, is about they, the true Second Amendment. What's the argument against defending right, this young are man? Are they upset that they don't want to say anything against the police? Is that, yeah, what... what? I, does it matter who shoots you? Right? <laughs> if you're lawfully yeah, in exactly, possession of the gun I, and you're dead, does it matter that it is a cop shot you or it was some guy down the street? Because it seems like the the one gun rights group that criticized the other, that was their big thing. Like because they, You they, can never... Con- yeah, he had been and I'm not one police. of those people. Yeah. No. And I'm in a cops court. make mistakes. There yeah. are th- such a thing as bad cops. Cops break the law sometimes. Thankfully, a majority of them don't. vast majority don't. But when they make mistakes, they should be held accountable. Right. Absolutely. And according to the ACLU, the police did not even give him a chance to drop the gun. Didn't say no. They just it, opened it, the video. Ten it's seconds, almost getting instant. in. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. And oh, again, it's going to be another uh, another. Well, listen. Not follow. every one of these shootings, these deaths, are the same. They are not. And they come in degrees. And there's been plenty of them where there's been protests. And I'm like, I just don't think you guys are protesting the right thing. Or this isn't the hill you want to die on. This is a hill I'm willing to die on. Are you kidding me? I'm a gun owner. I have a gun in my house. Does that mean the cops can kick in the door and shoot me? Because I'm a lawful gun owner inside my house? Mm -hmm. That's what it says. And that's frustrating, to say the least. Hey, good morning to you and a happy Wednesday. Here's what's coming up this hour at 745. If you've got a young man at home looking to learn the skills to be a gentleman, well, Mr. Jermaine Lawrence Anderson joins us to tell you about his 12-week class in building better men. And after 7.30, we enter the no-spin zone with the man himself, uh, Bill O'Reilly. We've got an exclusive announcement of how you can see him here in the Chicago area. And do you know your news? Coming up at 7.15, take our news quiz, know your onion, and win a pair of tickets to dinner and a show at Klein Creek Golf Club. But you got to be on the line to be on the air. 312-591-8900. But first, the lakefront is one of Chicago's 
crown jewels, right? A uh, draw to residents, tourists. And that's why the Army Corps of Engineers is creating a plan to maintain this natural beauty. Joining us right now, Chicago Dep Deputy District Engineer Steve Fisher. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, Bruce and Judy. Appreciate the opportunity. Awesome to talk to you. So, uh, you know, obviously you talk about the, the shore, you talk about the development along it, the look, the iconic feel that Chicago has along the waterfront. What is your biggest challenge right now in maintaining the shore around Lake Michigan? Hey, great question, right? So, so think back 30 years ago, um, when we had the initial study, and what those conditions were like at that time, right? So the initial study looked at 18 miles of the lakefront. Um, nine miles has actually been constructed. So that leaves another nine miles to, to take a reevaluation, take a relook at. In between that timeline, right? So we know we've experienced some, some record low lake levels. We have mm -hmm. most recently experienced some record high lake levels, right? And what are those impacts that that the, the citizens have experienced uh, during that time frame. So the study is going to allow us to take a look back. We know what we had built, very resilient, um, withstands all those winter storms. So now it's to take a look and, and what do we learn from that experience? And then as we forecast, what do we expect those uh, lake, uh, lake conditions to look like in the, into the future? What, what do wave heights look like? What does ice cover look like? And then how might that influence what the future designs might uh, to, to be built to be resilient into the future. So when you say to be built, what, what do you mean? Like break walls? What kinds of things can the, does the core do to, you know, help the situation? Yeah, right. So, so you can take a look if, uh, you know, if you, if you recreate up and down the, the lakeshore uh, trail system, I mean, it's, it's spectacular, right? So you take a look at what's been built. Um, then there's other concepts out there. So, so we're, um, actively looking at uh, other opportunities. So, for example, can you build some offshore breakwater structures um, that might mitigate some of the wave energy, but allow at the same time for, for sediment to move along the coastline as it naturally would do? And then can you then potentially factor that into what those solution sets might look like? I mean, each, each location is going to have a unique, uh, a unique solution based on um, where it's situated, um, what we're trying to protect, uh, those types of things. So as we get into those studies, we'll evaluate uh, a whole range of alternatives for each of those individual locations. Steve, how about a party island out there on the lake? Would that help? <laughs> if uh, if somebody wants to, uh, to to be a sponsor for that, uh, have at it. Well, but, uh, there's yeah, naming rights for you right there. Goodness. <laughs> Steve Fisher is Chicago's deputy district engineer of uh, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. You know, uh, that that in and of itself, I mean, the projects that you guys are involved in are these massive, huge infrastructure issues that we're dealing with. And you, and you laid out some of the real problems that are challenges, maybe I should say, that you you have when it comes to the to the lake. When it comes to things like the breakwaters and some of some of that. You touched on it a little bit, but I want to acknowledge maybe I don't fully understand what they're what they're for. I thought they were just supposed to knock the waves down. Well, right. So, so a couple of things. Um, so, so the the Army Corps of Engineers has a has a variety of of uh, um, harbors and uh, ports around the Great Lakes, right? So navigation sure. is one of our primary missions. So, in in terms of that. Um, you know, take the lakefront out here, right? So there's a series of breakwaters that have been built um, to protect uh, um, the navigation industry. 
And our primary one here locally, obviously, is, is recreation, right? Probably the second most popular used lock is the Chicago lock. And if you've gone through that, you realize the, the amount of traffic that, uh, that utilizes that resource to go from the Chicago River out into Lake Michigan and, and back again, <clears throat> right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. As we build those structures, we want to take a look at, uh, um, you know, have we built those to the right height? Are they in the right location? Um, do they serve the purpose uh, that they were intended for? I mean, most of those breakwaters have been out there 50 to 100 years. I mean, they've been around a long time as you take a look at those. So as we look at, again, a resilient feature, um, what's the opportunity for those things and, and uh, do they need to be improved? So, Steve, is there anything like, you know, new out there that you've heard about, something that, we, that hasn't even been maybe tried yet or, or other places, you know, around the Great Lakes are trying it? What, what's like something that's, you know, new in the field? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things, and great question. I appreciate you asking that one. So, so there's a concept of called engineering with nature or nature and natural-based features. So instead of having a completely armored um, shoreline, are the ways you can make it look uh, a little bit more natural, but at the same time, are there features that allow you to to build those um, structures out there? So, for example, we, we just did a pilot study with the uh, Environmental Protection Agency where we installed some offshore breakwater structures, again, trying to understand what's the size, what's the configuration of those structures, um, and how they might be able to operate and, and knock down some of that wave energy as it approaches um, the shoreline. <clears throat> and again, with this whole interest of allowing sediment to continue, sand in particular, to move along the coastline as it naturally does. Um, and then there's the concept of, of beneficial use of dredge materials. So we, we know at some of our larger harbor areas and, and ports, there needs to be a, or there's a need to dredge to allow those large ships to to uh, to get into the into Navigate, the port, yeah. right? Right. So so where does that material go? And if it's clean material, we can either uh, beneficially reuse it, put it up on beaches, um, or it, we've got a couple other um, uh, ecosystem restoration projects that we have built. And basically, um, you can create some wetland features. Um, it attracts a wildlife. I mean, a, a prime example as well as you talk about some unique opportunities and what things look like if you've been down to Northerly Island a big ecosystem restoration project and how that was converted provides access, water access, um, great recreational features built in there. So there's lots of concepts that we can build. Again, it depends on what the what that location allows us to do. You know what, Steve? We appreciate your time this morning, and we appreciate the work you're doing to maintain this this fantastic shoreline, this this real crown jewel of of the entire area. Thank you so much. Hey, appreciate the time. Steve. He's Steve Fisher, Chicago's uh, Deputy District Engineer with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, as they are looking to expand in some areas, maybe do some beach reclamation in others, keep the harbors moving in and out. I mean, uh, that that's a full-time oh, job, yeah. to say the least, and so important for everything that's going and on I here. I just thought about Soldier Field. Maybe we could do some water thing there. Fill right? it with water. Huge we could, pool. We could have, you know, down. ships pull up. There you go. <laughs>
Hey, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Bruce and Judy with you, and uh, we're going to find out just how well you know the news. We play a little game called Know Your Onion. The Onion, the satirical news website, which, again, let's just pour a little out for them. It's getting harder and harder to write headlines that sound crazier than the actual things that are going on in the world around us. But gosh darn it, they are still trying. And joining us right now is Mike from Dixon. Mike, good morning to you. You there, Mike? Good. Hey, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? So far, so good. All right, well, we're going to find out how well you know your onion, all right? You uh, you get these correct, uh, three out of five, and we're going to give you dinner and a show for two at Klein Creek Golf Club this Saturday night. Why, that's a perfect pre-Valentine Day dinner, all right? Mm. All right, Mike, you ready for number one? You betcha. Here's the headline. Is this real or onion? None jailed after stealing $800,000 to fund gambling habit. Real. You are got it right. That is real. Woohoo! I like how they worked habit into it as oh, well. Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> that's the best part, isn't it? Okay. Okay, here we go. Eric Adams compares cheese to heroin while touting plant-based diet. Is he the new mayor of New York? Yes, he's the mayor got of New it. York. He compares cheese to heroin while touting plant-based diet. Mm. Real or onion? Um, real. Go! You are on a roll. Okay. Mike, killing it today. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Mike, real or onion? Declining bee population linked to increase in bees' pornography consumption. I'll read it for you one more time. <laughs> Declining bee population linked to increase in bees' pornography consumption. Well, yeah, that's an onion headline. Come on. No, we got that. That's a good one. All, All right. right. Here we go. Next one, Mike. Students begin protest after chocolate milk is banned at school. Ooh. Real or onion? Real. Yes! Okay, you have a chance to go five for five, Mike, and that puts you in the Hall of Fame. Are you ready? Biden administration considering pivot to good presidency. I'll, remind, I'll say it again. Biden administration considering pivot to good presidency. Real or onion? Onion. Yes! Yes! You are a winner! You got it! Five for five! Congratulations to you, Mike. You got yourself uh, dinner and a show uh, for two at Klein Creek Golf Club this Saturday night. Uh, congratulations. Hold on the line, Mike. We'll get all your information for you. And uh, you are a winner, winner, Klein Creek dinner. All right? Good for him. Nice That's little Valentine's Day dinner there. Them. Yeah, he's Come good. on, Mike is on top of it. He could tell those in there. Hey, coming up next, you know, we want to have a, a, an opportunity to speak with Bill O'Reilly. Yes. The Bill O'Reilly? The Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> and, nice. and Bill is, he's going to be, he's coming. He's coming here, coming to Chicago land, and he's going to be doing a live show. And uh, we're going to let him give you some more of the details of it. Get excited about that and a chance for you to see Bill live. You know, so many people, I say grew up with, but he was a regular part of their, their day, Monday through Friday. You'd watch the O'Reilly Factor. You could enter the no spin zone and you could be a part of that. And, you know, I mean, you really develop a relationship with these people. And I'm interested to find out not only what he's what he's been up to but kind of what the live show is about as well oh absolutely and i mean in terms of being interesting you know you do a live this guy is interesting 
No matter he's what, led an you, interesting yeah, life. Yeah. No matter where you are in the political spectrum, no matter if you agree with him or not. I mean, he's always what intelligent. Was that, what was and, that show he was on? Was it Inside, Inside Edition? Edition? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that where it kind of he started? Yeah. I yeah. say he started in TV from, you know, yeah, Inside Edition with some of the uh, uh, investigative things that they would do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and plus, let's not forget his books as well. Yeah. The, oh, the, killing, yeah. the killing, killing series. Killing Lincoln, killing JFK. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing that he's been able to uh, find this whole, I mean, it makes sense. The guy's a smart guy. So he's able to find that whole world of yeah. new stuff a to pivot, be bring to you, as a they pivot. like to call it, uh, right? A word we're trying to get rid of, but that he did well before uh, the rest of us. So, hey, good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, 30 degrees outside. Woo. Or a warming trend, as we uh, call so it here hot. the last couple of, of weeks. It's Bruce and Judy, and thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, this morning. But uh, let's jump right into it. Joining us right now... Oh, Bill O'Reilly is with us. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Hey, guys. Am I allowed to say guys if Judy is there? Is you that most okay? certainly are. Yes, yes, you are. Absolutely. Well, we, you're going to make the big announcement. We'll let you kind of uh, uh, spill all the beans, if you will. But you are coming to the Chicagoland area. You're bringing right. your show live. I have not been uh, to Chicagoland in a while. And uh, we are going to be doing commentary on WLS. Uh, legacy station and i'm very happy about that and to uh kick things off uh we'll be rolling into town do you have the date by the way march 31st yeah it's thursday night march 31st okay good um and i you know i am a breath of spring Okay. When people talk about O'Reilly, you know, they God, gee, this guy, he's just, he's very springish. So, um, <laughs> in your step and in your attitude, I like yeah. it. Yeah, and and that's what I'm going to bring to okay. Chicago, and we're going to have a very good time that night. Uh, a lot of laughs, but serious stuff too, uh, because as you know, our country is in the middle of this social civil war, and yeah. we have a president who is. I'd say befuddled. I don't think that is an inaccurate description. Um, and we're going to kind of lay it all out for the folks. And last time I was in Chicago was in Rosemont, and we had an unbelievable crowd and a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to we're going to be even better this time. So we hope everybody listening to WLS will come out and see us. Thursday, March 31st at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan. Uh, doors at 6. Show is at 7. Tickets are on sale now. You can go over to WLSAM.com for details. Have you ever, have you, you know, you, you're an author. <laughs> you're a, a, a commentator. You live shows. You, you're, you're more than a triple threat these days, Bill. But uh, have you ever seen or or think of our country as more divided? You know, I, I I hear people say that we've never been more divided. And then I go back and go, I think the Civil War might be an argument. We were slightly more divided at, at times, but certainly in recent times, it feels that way. Yeah, and, and look, I was born just before the Civil War, so I, I was just my baby then, so I really didn't know. You look good. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's Botox, by the way. Um, but anyway, sure, the Civil War was uh, an exception. And then I lived through uh, Vietnam, that era. I was in college, sure. and that was very, very divisive. But it was a one-off deal there. Uh, now... Uh, the division in the country, and I was talking about this last night. We do a TV broadcast called the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com, in addition to my radio commentary. Um, and 
I was talking to the audience and I was saying the problem here is the gap is so wide. Hmm. All right. So you you have one group. Uh, and this would be uh, epitomized by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, just wants to tear it down, wants to tear the whole structure down uh, in every way and then rebuild in her socialist vision. And then the other crew is mislabeled conservatives. It's not so much conservatives. It's traditional Americans like me who understand that you don't become the most powerful, the wealthiest, and the country that offers the most opportunity to the most people. You don't become that unless you have a foundation that works. So why would you destroy that foundation? And, and so that gap between Ms. Cortez and, and O'Reilly is so huge. Now, I we both went to the Boston University, by the way. We were both alumni that. of that school. Um, and I have no, I harbor no ill will toward her. I just think she's so misguided. And so right now is the progressive movement, the entire movement. And Chicago is the best place to see that. So if you just step back and you see what progressive policies have brought the city of Chicago which is the preeminent working-class city in the world, not just in the country. If you see what progressive tenants have brought it, you've got to say this is not working. And that's, where, that's my point of view, and that's why the division is so huge. You know, then that's interesting, though, Bill, because I don't fall into either of those camps, so what about me? Yeah, I feel like there's a Where lot of people I? stuck yeah. in the middle. And I feel like those <laughs> two opposing sides you talk about, it's rather small. It's not, I don't think, the majority of Americans. Traditional Americans, that's a big crew. Um, far left, progressives, 20 to 25 percent. But traditionals, maybe 40 to 45 percent, according to the polling. Okay. Pew is a good uh, organization. to. Uh, they do a lot of surveys like this. And so if you're not in, the, in either group, Judy, I mean, where are you? <laughs> what, what, what is your vision for the country? What, what do you want it to be? I think I like to be right in the middle there because I don't agree with either. I think they're both a little bit extreme. I mean, when you say traditional Americans, I, you know, I, of course, I could use that term for me, but I don't think we're talking about the same thing. I just think well, there, and I, know, th when, I, there has to be middle ground. I get so tired of hearing about these, you know, these two opposing sides. It's like, is, and really, that's my question to you. Do you what, see? What, what can they agree yeah, on? Do you see any middle ground? No. <laughs> no. When you, you know what? And, and can you be a little bit you, more let honest? Let me give you a good example. Okay. So if you're uh, in a house, and I assume you live in a house, Judy, correct? In yep. a suburb yep. of Chicago? Yep. All right. And your neighbor wants to burn the house down, your house, and is trying to burn your house down. Is there middle ground there? Absolutely not. No. Only burn half you're, of it You're going to try to prevent <laughs> yeah. that person from burning your house down. It's the same thing in the country. Now, um, when I meet you, I'm, we're going to have a conversation, and I'm, I'm going to pose questions to you, and then I can basically uh, know where Judy is in the, in the spectrum of politics. Mm -hmm. But I come at it from a problem-solving point of view, not an ideological point of view. Okay. So if you listen to my commentary, I'm not taking a right-wing position 
unless that position solves problems. Anyway, we're talking again to Bill O'Reilly. I want to remind people, coming live, that's right, you can enter the no-spin zone with Bill O'Reilly Thursday night, March 31st at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan. Tickets on sale now. Head over to WLSAM.com for all of the details. So when we talk about problem solving, you know, I think one of the frustrating things for a lot of people, Bill, is that, I'm going to use the term, traditionally, it has been the Congress, the presidency, whatever, to, solves problems. I, I don't get a sense that they, regardless of party, and certainly in the recent history, that problems are getting solved at all. They're not. Yeah, they're not getting solved, and both parties are are responsible for that. So let me give you another very vivid example in Chicago. You guys know who Father Flager is? Sure, sure. Have you had him on? I mean, is he? Yeah, do, I don't talked even know to him. if he does media anymore. Okay. Yeah, he does. He's so Father Flager is, is a Catholic priest in the middle of the war zone mm-hmm. uh, in South Chicago. Okay, and he, I think, is a good man. I mean, he wants the best for the poor people who live in his parish. He wants them to be able to live safely, go about their lives. Right. But Father Flager, with all due respect, because I've had him on my TV broadcast, doesn't have a clue on how to bring law and order to his parish. Not a clue. Okay? And neither does Lightfoot, Mm -hmm. and neither does Pritzker. They don't know, and I'm going to tell you on Pritzker's part, he doesn't care. (laughs) That might be a stronger argument. I think that, that Lightfoot cares, but she's just not intellectually capable enough to solve this problem. There is a way to solve the problem, but it requires the Illinois National Guard to go into those neighborhoods and stop the drug gangs from their daily activities. Mm. That's, that's the temporary solution to that, and to provide some safety for the overwhelmingly honest populations who live in those neighborhoods. You know, when you we, we do... have a chance, Bill, we, we, we've talked to, including other pastors and uh, community leaders in those organizations, they're not anti-police. As a matter of fact, no, they're the opposite. They're like, we need more exactly cops, for right. God's sake. Folks, all the folks, look, this is what Americans have in common of every skin color, every ethnicity, and every religion. They all want to have happy, prosperous lives. All right? Mm -hmm. Now, many of us lose our way, and many of us are screwed up, all right? Mentally deficient, emotionally crazy. But what we have in common is most of us want to be happy and want to raise our families in safety. When the politicians do not provide that, that safety, mm-hmm. then society breaks down. And that's what you have, are seeing in Cook County. I think you've got a solid argument with that. Hey, Bill, we really appreciate your time this morning. Sure. And uh, look forward to, to seeing you live in person again Thursday night, March 31st at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan. Uh, shows at 7 and tickets on sale now. He's Bill O'Reilly. And Bill, have a great day. Okay, looking Thanks, forward Bill. to it, guys. Thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. Yeah, outstanding. So it's going to be a great night, and you're going to get more of that commentary, and you're going to get some of his his insights into that as you can enter.
the no spin zone with Bill O'Reilly. Hey, we got our check of the headlines on the way and we come back on the other side of that. Hey, good morning. Uh, happy Wednesday to you. It's Bruce and Judy with you. I remind you, it is a uh, uh, happy national pizza day. I've got my poll going on the Twitter machine at the Bruce St. James. Um, what is real Chicago pizza? Is it deep dish or tavern style thin crust? I can tell you the polling right now. We are, we talk about a divided nation. We're a divided city. Mm-hmm. 52% to 48% thin crust is leading by a thin crust. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you can continue to uh, vote uh, on National Pizza Day. You can head over to uh, the Bruce St. James on the Twitter machine and uh, vote in my poll as we continue to update that. So, where are the gentlemen, the true gentlemen of tomorrow coming from? Well, I think our next guest is uh, is is certainly leading these young men towards a better life. Joining us is Jermaine Lawrence Anderson, the executive director of I Am a Gentleman. First off, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I am excellent. I want to point out right off the bat that um, I'm pretty sure I don't ever want to be in the same room as you, only because... There is no doubt in my mind you will be dressed a lot nicer than I am. You are, <laughs> I, I am, I, I feel, I feel slovenly just speaking to you. But I want you to help, uh, help us understand a little bit better about this organization. I am a gentleman. I'll let you yeah, tell well, it in your words. Well, thank you for this opportunity to speak to your listening audience. We are from I Am a Gentleman Incorporated, and we are a male mentoring and leadership development organization where we serve young men ages 13 to 21 in the Chicagoland area. And we like to say it like this, where we're really exposing young men to a different way of life. And that's what we do um, each and every week. We make sure that the young men who are a part of I Am A Gentleman are exposed to various life skills that ultimately will make them productive citizens of their communities. Wow. So what does being a gentleman do for one you know do for someone what it why is it so important you know that's a phenomenal question you know when people see me and people see some of the other young men they always comment on you know the way that we dress or the apparel that we have on and while that's not a major part of it we do take pride in our image but really what we teach the young man is that a gentleman is one who gives back takes responsibility and makes life better for someone else So we should always be introspective, looking at our own personal lives to make sure that everything that we're doing falls under one of those three categories, giving back, taking responsibility, or making life better for someone else. That's really our mantra. Jermaine Lawrence Anderson is the executive director of I Am a Gentleman. Can I read the pledge? Oh, absolutely. Please do. I I know you know it by heart, but I want to read the pledge. (laughs) So here's the, the gentleman's pledge, okay? As a gentleman... I pledge to always maintain a high level of respect and integrity. I do not lie, cheat, steal, vandalize, or commit forgery. I understand that a gentleman is one who honors their elders. I understand that a gentleman is one who serves their community. I understand that a gentleman is one who respects women. I understand that a gentleman regards authority. And I understand that a gentleman is one who reaches back to mentor the next generation. As a gentleman, I will always strive to make myself and those around 
around me better. That is absolutely fantastic in and of itself. I, I mean, you're, you're, you talk about, you know, I, I, I made the joke about how well dressed you are, but there's a way you carry yourself and there's a way you work your way through life. It strikes me that for many of the young men you're coming into contact with, if it wasn't for your organization, who would be around to teach them this? You know, one of our most popular classes that we teach at I Am a Gentleman for the young men is image and grooming. Really teaching the young men to take pride in their image, to be comfortable in the way they look when they leave home every morning. And a part of that class is really teaching the young men how to iron clothes. And wow. the reason that I point that out is because, you know, ironing clothes when I was growing up was something common. But it's amazing to see, you know, 20, 30 years later, it's something that's not so common. So the young men are at the ironing boards and, you know, they're learning how to iron and how to put that crease in the shirt and how to, you know, make sure that it's starched. And it's just an amazing thing when you're teaching someone something that they really have no concept of prior to them being in the class. Well, you just carry yourself. You know, when you're dressed well and you're, you've got that yeah, crease, you, you, you kind of hold your head a little higher. You walk a little straighter, right? You know, you do. And one of the things that we tell the young men at I Am A Gentleman is dress the way you want to be addressed. Nice. Wow. Hey, Jermaine, and by the way, uh, the ironing thing, there's spray now you can use. I'm just saying. It's a little bit easier. <laughs> I still don't understand. I, I, I do both. But let me ask you, do you seek these uh, these uh, boys out or do they come to you? How, how does that work? How do you, you get know, in the another program? Great question. So early on, you know, we you know had to seek the young men out and we were, you know, really fishing to make sure that we had enough young men in the program. And 11 seasons later, we have a waiting list because the young men who are in the program, they do all of the recruiting. They tell their cousins, their peers, their friends at school, man, you've got to be a part of I Am A Gentleman. You must be a part of the Male Mentoring Academy. So we no longer have to do much recruitment. The young men, you know, they're walking billboards for the organization. It is fantastic, the the lessons they're learning. Hey, and it's more than just appearance and how you carry yourself. You even teach them things like uh, financial literacy. You know, we teach them financial literacy. We teach them entrepreneurship. We teach them, you know, things such as overcoming obstacles, dealing with peer pressure. And one of the, you know, great classes that we teach is what does it mean to respect a woman? So, you know, we want to make sure that all of the classes that we teach, all of the life skills that the young men, you know, come in contact with are ones that they can use in the real world outside of the classroom. And, again, to make them productive citizens of their community and of society as a whole. How are you funded, Jermaine? I mean, how do you how do you do this? We are privately funded, and what that means is that, you know, from everyday persons like, your, you know, yourself and myself, they hear about the vision, hear about the organization, that simply want to be a part of what we're doing. They'll write a check and say, hey, we want to be a part of this. Here's a check for $100, or here's a check for $500, and that's how we're funded. Well, go ahead. Here's your platform. Give them the information. Yeah, tell me the website. Where do I go to not only learn more about it, but get more involved? Absolutely. So you can visit us online at www.iamagentleman.org and click the link that says Get Connected. You can also look us up on all social media platforms at hashtag IAAGINC. Or if you're a little bit old school like me, you can pick up the phone <laughs> and dial us at 312-471-5590. Uh, Mr. Anderson, thank you so much for your time today. 
No, thank you for this opportunity. It's always a pleasure to talk about the mission, the vision, and the work of I Am A Gentleman. And it's great work that you're doing. He's Jermaine Lawrence Anderson, the executive director of I Am A Gentleman Incorporated. And again, IamAGentleman.org is the website. Nobody doesn't love a gentleman. Everyone loves a gentleman. But we talk about, you know, how are we going to change this? How's the trajectory going to change? How are these neighborhoods going to change? I'll tell you what. Enough of these gentlemen walking around. Right. Enough of these kids learning this at a at, 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 a, at a vulnerable age it can absolutely fundamentally change the trajectory of their lives. Outstanding work, and that's really cool. Hey, good morning. A happy Wednesday to you. We're going to jump into the 8 o'clock hour, taking a look at what we're coming up. How about this? At 8.45... How do you get into the mood? Oh, just in front of Valentine's Day. We're talking about your favorite love songs. 312-591-8900. And Chili Lovers at WLS Chili Cook-Off. We're talking with Rich Hayden of Corridor Kitchen and Tap and putting our chili head-to-head after 8.30. And do you think you've got the stones to be a curling Olympian? Join us after 8.15. We're going to be talking to Chris Longy uh, from the Chicago curling club not sure i know what that means but i'm laughing but first with the bears move to arlington park looking more and more likely almost every day mayor lightfoot has announced a uh, a committee to reimagine soldier field and the museum campus exactly how much can you possibly reimagine and what can you do with soldier field short of Tearing it down, which isn't going to happen. 312-591-8900. The mayor is looking for your ideas because, again, as we believe, the Bears will be packing up, heading to Arlington. It makes financial sense for them. I get it. I mean, they've already bought the site. If they don't go there, what are they going to do with it? Yeah, they're not going to race horses at it still. I I know that. They've kind of moved on past that. Maybe maybe a training facility, but I don't know. That's a. Seems a pretty pricey training facility. Yeah, I think they're, I think we can safely say the bears are gone. Yeah, they're going to build Bears World. Yeah. I mean, mean, Bears World. You like that? Yeah. It's going to be Bears World. I don't like that. Don't forget Soldier They'll be the Bears Hotel. Oh, they'll be like oh, a yeah. bears amusement park there'll be a bear shopping session it'll mall. be bears world oh, and yeah. then by the way we play Everything. football to, uh, every once in a while but it, it'll so. take a while to build right like several years so are they well gonna... if we're going by the scale that they do roads around here you might be yeah. 30 years for god's sake <laughs> are you referring to the jane burn which only has been under construction since 2013 yeah yeah only. okay so say it takes i don't know two three years well can the city say, yeah, I don't know, I guess they can't because they do have a, they do have um, an agreement. A lease. A lease. And it's actually, they're going to have to pay out that lease to the city. Which, so I'm just wondering. Main, they make, they, make more money paying the penalty to leave than they would stay. Yeah, but I wonder if the city will just say, no, we're going to break the lease and get out now. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go till your stadium's built? Huh? Huh? Ouch. You know what? They're not saying that because they're not even talking as far as we know. There is that. Listen, so one of our listeners has a great idea for Soldier Field. Um, This is from an 815 area code, or rather 773. What's that? Make Soldier Field a big giant swimming pool. Yes. Fill it with water. That's a good idea. That is a good idea. We could stage Waterworld the musical, finally. My oh, vision. That's oh, what right. we've been waiting why for. Why do you have to ruin it, Tom? Waterworld the you know, musical. No, we could put sand Throw down close there. close to Chicago on Broadway. Or Broadway I think that's yeah. an excellent idea. Hey, Tommy and Aurora, what in God's green earth are we going to do with Soldier Field? Uh, yes, sir. I say we make it like a Roman Coliseum, and okay. people can fight for chicken wings that nobody has. 
Okay. All right. Like a Roman. It looks a bit like a Roman Colosseum. Yeah. It's not too far from that. Right? You know, it's got that vibe. Does that mean we can have chariot races? Would this involve oh, yeah. lions? Like Ben-Hur? We can do real life Ben-Hur? Mm -hmm. See, now you're cooking with gas. This, you is, like this? this is the idea okay. zone this is where no, no idea is a bad idea. No. It's a brainstorming session as <laughs> to what we can do with Soldier Field. We've got Roman Coliseum. We've got fill it with water. Swimming pool. We have large, uh, very large swimming pool. For the winter, we have a, you know, a ski resort. I believe they called it. They've done it before in the 50s. Make it into a little ski resort. You got to kind of inside the stadium. It. Now, see, the pool would work because you could just freeze the pool over in the in the uh, winter. Yeah, inside the stadium, we make it into a. You know what? Think about all those. Um, like you start up in the three hundred level the, seats and like you ski down onto the right. field or something. And how yes. about all the suites? That's like the black diamond. We could make it into a resort because we have those suites you could sleep in. Just put some beds in there. Yeah, they're big enough, right? Uh, 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 that I don't know. Yeah, all right. I, you know, I'm going to try to buy. Something We're going to send you to do a night in Soldier Field, and then you can tell us if it's. Yeah, I mean, if there are suites like in other stadiums, suites where people own the suites, right? The mm -hmm. well, there yeah. aren't many. That's one of the problems with Soldier Field. Yeah, is that yeah. the new stadiums have lots of those suites, oh, yeah. and Soldier Field doesn't. You know, that that, that's, that would be people. one of the arguments the Bears are saying. What, so, are you saying turn it into a hotel? Well, no, I'm saying if it's a winter resort just for the winter time, then we could have, you know, little rooms where you can stay and get up in the morning and slalom down yeah. from your take room. Take that, Wilmot. We're going to yeah, take over the exactly. ski capital. The you know what? You know that people would pay. <laughs> Chicagoans would pay to stay in a room at Soldier Field, just like they stay at the, you know, the museum has uh, overnights. People love that stuff. Wait, wait, you can stay in the museum yes, overnight? you can sleep overnight in the museum. Okay, I saw that movie. Film? I saw yeah. the I didn't know that was ben a documentary. I didn't was, know Ben yeah. Stiller was a filming a documentary based on a true story. Yes. I don't want to be in that place yeah. if everything comes alive. Oh, dear God. Come on, don't you, though? No. Sue? Hard no. Sue the T-Rex? Yeah. Come on, that would be awesome. Well, and and, you know, and and the mayor is talking about this entire what do they call it? Museum campus, you know, which are the uh, you know you've got the shed, you've got uh, uh, the herd, you've got uh, there's a planetarium that's it's right yeah, out there. Yeah. It's got a beautiful shoreline right around there, and I get that those things are fine. Those things don't need to go anywhere. They are good. They're robust and they're available year round. But you have this huge monolith of a stadium sitting there. And then what? Well, the good part is when they did the upgrades, mm -hmm. and I say that laughing, they kind of left the old stadium, right? It, you could, you could right. almost take Well, off they didn't tear the, anything down. Yeah, you could almost take off that dumb modern stuff and get it back to what it was. Oh. And, I mean, how, about, well, okay. how much would that cost us? Probably twice as much as it costs to put it on. It'll cost to take and it off take, of the stadium. It'll take yeah, 15 $8 years. $8 billion. Um, but then maybe you could, how about a museum then? I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with that. Hey, Dave, up on the north side, what are we going to do with Soldier Field? Well, my idea is this. I don't know. Did George Lucas build his space uh, museum in San Francisco, or is that mm, still on hold? That I don't know. Mm, that's a good so a space one. museum. That, you know, when I was on the Stevenson once with my sister, I looked up. I'd been in L.A. for a quarter of a century, and I went, "My God in heaven, what is that? Looks like a UFO landing on." <laughs> it does. 
my sister says, well, some people say it looks like a big toilet bowl, Dave. She's from the North Shore. You know? there is a, well, and Dave, you know, that when they did the upgrade, and I'm going to use that term loosely because I think there's a lot of purists that would say what they did to Soldier oh, yeah. Field was an abomination. But, you know, the, the argument was, I heard somebody say it looks like a spaceship kind of landed on about half of the that's, of Soldier that's, Field. That could be turned into, with okay. all the UFO talk in the last couple of months, or the last six months since the government acknowledged them. That they, they are real. Let's turn that into, you know, I don't know, even have, you know, a light flashing land here, please. <laughs> we'll draw a target on the 50-yard line, right? Oh, that'd be fantastic. Hey, Terry, uh, you've got maybe, yeah. dare I say, a more practical idea? Yeah, I think they should use it to... To uh, train our our next Olympians there for like for track, shot, put, okay. and then you got the whole you got the seats already there for the parents and the people to come and watch to see how they do. Hmm. You got the city of Chicago for rooms for the hotel. You got your museums. You got everything going there. Interesting. It, that would be a great purpose for that. Great idea. Turn into the yeah, make the bid for the Olympic training facility, yeah, if you will. Yeah, you could be a training facility for a lot of things, right? Okay, since we had the um, Army Corps on, now I'm thinking maybe it should be like a port. It is right off the lake there. We could have big like cruise ships come in into the stadium. <laughs> they can go to the museum campus. You know, yeah, they be can, the holding cell. Yeah, where they, they could they be put the whole. Yeah, they could. That's the, the well. They well they spray them down like the from port. all their cruise it could be the nastiness. Port. Yeah, that doesn't change the fact that there's a big stadium there. That's yeah, yeah, that can run. That's what they go. You can around. park a boat you next to the big empty stadium. It's still a big empty you stadium. Can, you can take it off and go on land, and they can go rest there for a while. <laughs> that's yeah, Chicago's own rest. Ellis Island. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's it. Bring me your tie. It's your Michiganders, and uh, we oh made, we quarantine them inside Soldier Field yeah. before we let them wander around the loop. <laughs> okay, I see where you guys are going with that. They just stay there. Can you find a better sport, the ancient curling game? You found a song about curling. <laughs> DJ Tom, uh, earning his paycheck today. She's Judy. I'm Bruce. And uh, in case you missed it, the Olympics are going on. I, I, I don't get a sense there's a lot of Olympic hype going. Why is that? I can't really figure. I, I love the Olympics, and I'm not even watching. Okay. I just, I forget. I'm forgetting it's on. Is it the time difference again? Is it the, they're not promoting it enough? Is it, is it China? I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Regardless. People are, people are winning medals. It's, the, it's, it's happening. happening. There's winners, there's mm-hmm. losers. Uh, and uh, curling has come to the forefront again. It is a sport that, uh, until recently, until it became an Olympic sport, I think, there might have been a lot of people who, quite honestly, never even heard of it. Um, Never even there understood are still it. people who don't know what it is. Fair enough. Well, I'm one of them. Somebody who is steeped in curling knowledge is joining us right now. He is uh, uh, with the Chicago Curling Club Membership Committee, Chris Longy. Chris, good morning. Hi, Bruce. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And it, I commend Tom for finding a curling song. I've never heard that. Yeah, <laughs> how could you have not heard a curling song? Well, we're going to get you a copy of it, if nothing else. So tell me a little bit about uh, the history of curling. It hasn't always been an Olympic sport. No, it hasn't been. It started out, uh, uh, well, curling's been around for about 400 years, but it started in the Olympics in 98. It was an uh, uh, exposition sport, mm-hmm. exhibition sport. And then in 2002, it started as a uh, real official sport, and it's uh, grown in popularity. Explain. 
Yeah, Chris, <laughs> can you tell me what? I mean, I've seen curling. I I don't really get it. Tell me, what 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 do you do? What's the point? Why do you love okay. it so much? Well, those are two different questions. I will tell you what you're going to do is I want you to stand there and slide a 42-pound piece of granite down half a football field of ice, okay? Uh-huh. And, have it, and have it end within six inches or a foot of exactly where you want it to go. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah, um, no doubt. It, it, it's way harder than it looks, but put that aside. Why do I love it? It's a lifetime sport. It is great. We have a youth program here for kids 10 and up. We've had members in their 90s curling. You can do it all your life here in Chicago. It's we are, Our club's open for six months, October to May. What else are you going to do in Chicago in the middle of the winter? So I think it's absolutely a fantastic, fun time. Well, the fact that curling's been around for 400 years, I was going to say, it contains elements of other games I'm interested in but or I'm aware of, but maybe those other games all stole it from curling because there is an element of shuffleboard to it. Can we acknowledge that? I, I, feel, I feel like that, right? Yeah. Maybe a bit of cornhole is thrown in there, and then we're going to throw some skating. We'll do it on ice. But maybe they just all stole it from curling. Is shuffle, well, Shuffleboard is curling... With smaller stones. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to fight you on that, but I think uh, ours is a lot more fun, I think, because we also have drinking after the game. So. Yeah, see, that's the part I really like about it. Whoppa. So, 400 years, Chris, I mean, obviously, it has some staying power, right? What, what makes it so fun? What make, Or, you know, just what makes it so competitive? Or why do you do it? Well, you know, you can do it, like I said, at any age, but also... You, we can have, you can have a team with men, women. It can cross genders. Anything you want. Um, it's not. It's a game that balance matters more than pure strength. So you can easily be beaten by a youth team or a team of little old ladies. It's just who can <laughs> throw that rock down there better than the other person. We're talking. Um, we're talking again to Chris Long. He's a, a, a Chicago Curling Club membership committee. Uh, as curling is front and center. Okay, Chris. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let's 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 look at the sordid underbelly of curling. All right. Just in the Olympics, uh, what was it yesterday? They actually disqualified some ski jumpers for cheating. Uh, they said their suits were too baggy and they caught air. What does cheating and curling look like? Well, it's really hard to do. I would I think mean, it is. It, it is. If, you, if you've if you seen the Olympics and the curling starting up again, the four-person curling starting uh, tonight, it'll yeah. be on TV, um, you'll notice there's a blinking green light on the rocks. If, it, if you hold the handle too long, it changes color. Um, so that's what that is for. You can't, you have to release the rock before you get to that big black line. Okay. Um, uh, so theoretically it would be cheating if you held it too long, but they, they would find that in the Olympics. So. What, are, what are they doing there when they're, oh, when they run up to it, the rock and they're trying to finagle it. They're, they're, they're like blowing on it to go farther or finagle. stop or whatever. What, you know, they're. The, do you mean the, the the sweepers? The sweepers, right? Thank you. The finaglers. Right. The finaglers. Or the I was trying to figure out. I didn't know where you were going with that. I'm like, what's the finagling part? Well, they're trying to do. They're trying to stop it, right? Or move it, or do something. Yep. They're trying to. They're actually trying to help it go straighter or mm. go farther. So these the sweeping decreases the friction of the ice, so the rock should go a little farther or stay straighter. So.
Wow. That's what they're trying to do. And, you know, and here's the thing. I, I just I never think of it as an Olympic sport, even though it is. But from what you've described, Chris, I do. I feel like it's like a seasonal sport, like softball, where everyone gets together and you have your fun and you just you mentioned drinking. I mean, that's to me what curling is or should be. You know what? You can theoretically do it year round in some places. There are some clubs that are open, you know, all year long. Our club is open from middle of October to basically May. Wow! So wow. I, I think of it as the perfect offset. If you know, if you like to golf, if you ride bikes, if you you know have a boat or something, come September October, you're getting rid of all that stuff. It's a great offset to that. It's and it's just a fun group of people where you have 270 members up at the club in Northbrook and. Uh, You'll find somebody there to be a great friend. Hey, Chris, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the curling on the Olympics. Uh, do we have a good team? The Americans got a good shot at this this year? I think we do. I mean, we won the gold medal last four years ago, so right. uh, the men's team. So that was fantastic. And I think we've got a pretty good chance again this year. Not so, anyone local? You're, you're Are the local. Canadians our big competition? Uh, the Canadians and the Swedes are uh, always <sighs> pretty good Swedes. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> and, we'll... In terms of local, there's a couple people from uh, Wisconsin. Matt Hamilton's from up in Wisconsin, and then there are a bunch of guys from uh, Minnesota. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Minnesota and Wisconsin curling experts. Thanks a lot again, uh, Chris Longy with the uh, Chicago Curling Club and uh, understanding more about the exciting world of curling that involves finagling. Yeah, they finagle They have to be finagled every once in a while. What are you, I'm the finagler. I'm putting a moratorium on that word. Uh, Anybody who says that word next is getting pistol whipped. (laughs) All right. Hey, hey boss, what's the word that starts with F that you do that? Okay, anyway. Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, happy Wednesday, Bruce and Judy with you. And Judy, you've got uh, a chili cook-off coming oh, up, right? such a busy weekend mm-hmm. with the big game and Valentine's Day. And You're allowed to say Super Bowl. It's a thing. Okay. The Super Bowl. I, I like the big game. Okay. Or the big game. Yeah, the big game. You know what? That football game that's on this weekend. Mm-hmm. That, But the biggest thing I've got going on is I am judging Ooh. a chili cook-off. Okay. All right. Several esteemed judges. I'm one of them. I Where believe. is this happening at? This is in Lombard at Corridor Kitchen and Tap, owned by Rich Hayden. Uh, the aforementioned Rich Hayden joins us right now, Rich. the owner of the Corridor Kitchen and Tap. Rich, good morning. Hi, how you guys doing? Excellent. Thank you for getting up with us today. Oh, no problem. So tell me a little bit about the chili cook-off and, the, and, and where the, the origins of this is. Um, well... My friend Mary has run this thing for quite a few years now, and I did it before at a bar I used to manage, but now I own this one, so she came over and we're going to have it here for like our first annual one. Outstanding. Hey, and I know Mary, and Mary is the chili cook-off queen. She doesn't make the chili or even judge it, but she puts on such a show, it's unbelievable. She's actually the one who asked me to be the judge, Judgy Judy. Uh, Rich, I know you're very happy about that. Oh, yeah. She put a great prize package together, too. Ooh, tell us. Um, it's uh, uh, The first prize is $200 cash. <gasps> then then there's a crock pot. And then the best one she did after that, there's, like, all the local businesses in Lombard. Um, she got gift certificates for her. So that winner can, like, enjoy all the places around downtown Lombard. You know what Mary's good for? Our liquor baskets. Any of those? Um, I, yeah, will, I will make a, a chili. Okay, I, I, might, I might have to make a chili instead of be a judge. Or maybe the judge yeah. should get the liquor basket. What makes what makes a good chili judge? 
Um, I, I, I don't hope you're asking no. Rich. <laughs> I would say uh, somebody who really enjoys chili. Okay. Right? I, I'm trying to keep an open mind, Rich, because I... You know, I make chili, and I like my chili, and I think sure. it's the best chili. But then it is true. I've gone to your chili cook-offs at the other place where you used to host them, and I, I do like trying different chilies. And here's what happens every time I'm at a chili cook-off. There's that one chili, right, that has something in it that we're all like, what? You just can't figure out what it is? Well, or if we can, we're shocked that we didn't think of it. Why the hell did I put yeah, that in my chili? it's like, you know, bacon. The first time someone put bacon in their chili. What? Shock- oh, yeah. But yeah, that was uh, that one. Nobody stood a chance when that guy put bacon in chili. I was so mad. Yeah. Game was, over. Yeah, there was another chili where they just had every single meat in it. It was the most meaty chili I've ever had in my life, but it was still delicious. And then you always get somebody who makes like some crazy, like weird white chili or something that people always are interested in. Careful, Rich, because one year I believe I was one of those people. I made a. I like a chicken chili, and then I put corn in it and cilantro, and it's kind of, you know, southwestern. And, yeah, not only did people not eat it, I didn't win. So so I think what we're telling people, if you're going to be in the chili cook-off at the Corridor Chicken and Tap this Saturday, you need to make a kind of a traditional chili, maybe with a twist. Well, when exactly, what time is this happening? When's it going down? Uh, It's from 1 to 3 on Saturday. Okay. All right. So it's lunchtime Chili cook-off slash tasting. And uh, we have some chili here in the studio that we're going to to try. Now, I, I can tell you, and, and Rich, I don't know where you come down on this. And it is a divisive uh, a thing. And I know families have been torn apart by this question. <laughs> I know what but you're going to say. Does chili have beans in it? I guess it depends on how you look at it. Really, I, most chilies I've ever had have had beans in them. Yeah, I can't I stand beans. Like and I don't, beans. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to have anything in the chili. You should. No, I would like to it. point out that for my chili, which, this chili is absolutely delicious. We're eating mine, Rich. Um, no, oh, I don't know. Who, I don't know whose chili this is. Actually, they're all look the same. But no. I, I'm so supposed to eat this one right now. Yeah. Okay. Eat the first one, the second one, the third one. Are any of these I, like I need spicy practice. hot? Mm-mm. Because I don't have a lot to dr- drink if it is. Yeah, I think a good so chili having... judge needs to be able to feel the heat and take the heat. Yeah. You're having um, your own little chili cook-off right yeah, now? Yeah, right now we're tasting chilies. So <laughs> we're, we're give us some tips what we're looking for here. Um, you want it to be spicy but not too spicy. Mm. Okay. Mm. Which one's and you, you also don't want it to be too watery. Right. I'm Good point. Very good point. But mm. I, I often think you want it to be a little bit fatty. I like the fat. Oh, yeah. Right, right. So, you know what, um, Rich, uh, Bruce, you'll be interested in this, too. Rich actually opened his restaurant during the pandemic. No. What the hell were you thinking, Rich? Who are you? Well, the opportunity arose then, and I couldn't turn it down. I mean, I had to just take a chance and hope for the best. And how's it going? So far, we're doing okay. I mean, we're we're not open during lunch. We don't usually open during the day until three o'clock, but we do we do okay from three to midnight. So, Rich is the um. We talked about this on one of our earlier shows. He actually has a restaurant where w- one of your biggest sellers. Tell us about the egg rolls, but they're not traditional. Oh, egg you're rolls. the egg roll guy. You're the egg roll guy, but not traditional yeah. egg rolls. Yeah. Um. Well. Like, a lot of places have, like, Italian beef and Reuben rolls. You'll find them on their menu. And it's just kind of like taking that concept and 
just getting a little crazy with it. Like we, we have those on our menu all the time, but then we also have like a Cuban one and then a carnitas one. And currently we have a chicken pot pie egg roll. And that mm. seems to just, that's, that one's just like, everyone's buying it's that flying one. out the door. That is an awesome yeah. idea. I haven't had that one yet. I have had all of them except that one. Okay. So I've tasted all the chilies. Right? I've tasted all three. I put mine in order. Okay. So, but I wanted to ask you what, so, cause I'll be judging. I'm going to be looking to I'm Rich. Judging I'm going to be looking to Rich for guidance as well as beers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I need to know, like, what I like all of these chilies. So, what's what's which one am I going to pick, and why? What do I need to look for specifically, or give you know? Well, give it's just your weight. personal preference. Uh, it's like art. But I feel like I, you know, I don't really like hot chilies. That shouldn't preclude the hot chilies, right? I sh- I should judge if based I start on what? crying after I eat it. You're not going to win. <laughs> But I should judge it based on what? Do you know, Rich? I, I, I would say I, I agree with Bruce there. It's your personal preference. Like, okay. if you're, if you know, you like something or you don't like something. I mean, and so you're going to just have to, you're going to just have to trust your gut and pick the one that you like the best. All right, Rich. Well, we did our own chili tasting taste off in, in here. And I have voted. Uh, you, have you guys eaten? You guys have tried it as well? Mm-hmm. Do, Do you guys have? A, I don't know how to describe it. I put my little bowls in order. Mm-hmm. Can you tell by looking at which one's which? <laughs> okay, yeah. Which one did you choose? This one is my number one. Did you put a number on the bottom, Miranda? No. No. Oh, M. Yeah, there'll be a. Oh, is that a T? It is a T. Oh, <laughs> all right. I think I know what it is too. It's my favorite chili. What is it? Hormel. It is. Yeah. Oh my god. It's my favorite chili by far. Oh my God! Yeah, it's Hormel No Beans. There it Brilliant. is. Love it. I have a can that at home. Chili is excellent on a hot dog. Oh, isn't it though? It's excellent on everything. Yes. If you think Miranda and I are offended, we are. My number two was M. Okay. And sorry, Judy. My number three was Judy. I well, can't believe. Well, I guessed you know that. why he didn't like mine? There were I put carrots in mine. Very and diced there's up. Your problem, Chief. Because you need a little bit of sweet in your chili. Okay. I didn't hate any of these. Don't get me wrong. I I ate all of them. This was the worst chili cook-off ever, Rich. I'm expecting much better from uh, yours at the Corridor Kitchen and Tap this Saturday in Lombard beginning at 1 o'clock. If you don't have a chili... How many chilies do we have? Uh, There are 20 entries. (gasps) Oh, my land. Bring your appetite. Yeah, I am. And my... We're going to have a packed house. All right, Rich. Gosh. Appreciate your time. Thank Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. He's outstanding. He's Rich uh, Hayden, the owner of the Corridor Kitchen and Tap, with the chili cook-off going on at 1 p.m. this Saturday, coming up this weekend. Hey, good morning, uh, and a happy Wednesday to you. It's Bruce and Judy. Do you have any more of that Hormel chili, by the way? Okay. <laughs> I had a whole thing of it. Like, we can we can split it if you want, you know, I mean. By far my this. favorite chili. Yeah. Why don't you okay. just eat it out of the can? Uh, you're saying that like yeah. I haven't? Yeah, come Put on. Put it on your exhaust manifold, drive around a few miles, there get you yourself go. lunch. I love it. Yeah. That they thing is good. You go know, camping, you just put it right there, chili. pop the top, take a spoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. it's delicioso. It's more than a meal. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's my favorite chili. But it goes well with chicken nuggets, you know, hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Judy, you got to open up your uh, your. No, 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 no. Oh, I have to open up no my beans. palate? Yeah. yeah. Oh my Come on. God. I only Live put one can of beans in my chili, so there's hardly any. And they were black beans, by the way. 
Mm, okay. So, a um, we got to figure out. Do you remember like the slow jam songs that were popular when you were a kid? Do you remember like your senior year? I was thinking about this, and I couldn't remember like every prom had a theme, and usually it was a song title, mm-hmm. you know, and it was some song that was popular, and that was the theme. And I just for the life of me, ours remember. was uh, Lionel Richie. I remember, but I don't know what song. Color my world or something like that. Maybe okay. What tonight, Richie? tonight. Smashing really? Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. right. How do you guys remember these? I, would, I barely remember where I went like to high yesterday. school. Really? I, would have, I would have preferred like Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of three in bed yeah. or, you know, Dashboard. Yeah. That was the uh, homecoming committee, uh, you know, working on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, a zoo uh, in jolly old England is trying to get some monkeys to fall in love might be a nice way to put it. I would have said to get it on, you know. But um, so they've hired a Marvin Gaye impersonator to sing to the monkeys. By the way, even wears a white suit yeah, to do right it. He's right there next to him. Wow. He goes Literally into the monkey him. enclosure and sings. Don't you know how sweet So there he is, singing to the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's saying, uh, you know, there is, let's get it on. He's saying them sexual healing uh, it, 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 as well. Uh, they say it's going to, um, um, they're going to need to wait until spring to find out if it worked. Right. They, th- <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was a creative way to encourage the females to show a little affection to the males that might not have been so lucky in love. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think they should try my all-time favorite song from childhood. Which reminds me of when we used to have dances in our church basement, you know, sock hops, they were called. Uh, me and Mrs. Jones. Me and Mrs. Jones. Oh, yeah, baby. We got a thing. I am slow dancing with Michael Tepper right now at St. Hedwig's. Here's the thing about the song. It's, it's about adultery, I think. I, I don't care it about that. All good songs are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did, did, okay, have you ever seen, did you ever see Barry White live? No. No. I went to a Barry White concert. Oh. I got talked into it. (laughs) I'm not saying it was a bad idea, okay, but just play along with me. Never have I ever literally seen women throw underwear at the stage. And Barry, the Barry White I saw was a large man. And he... The whole set, the stage, was a huge bed, like with the headboard, with satin sheets. And he came, his costume changes, (laughs) he kept changing into different satin pajamas all during the show. No. And women would throw undies at at Barry White. Did they think he was Tom Jones? Because that is Tom Jones gig. I was. Underwear. I was stunned. Huh. You didn't throw your underwear, did you? I did not throw my undies. I think uh, Barry would have appreciated that as as well. (laughs) Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Right? Well, so, whatever it takes. And to get these monkeys to get it on, they've got a singer. There you go. <laughs> they've had a Marvin Gaye impersonator, yes. which I wasn't even aware was a thing. Yeah. Uh, I've heard of Elvis impersonators. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, you know, but, uh, Marvin Gaye impersonator singing to the monkeys to get them in the mood. Uh, Judy says, if that didn't do it, she can still restore <laughs> your faith in humanity. So 
a hard segue from that one. All right. Well, when you step into Belong Kitchen in West Houston, it's easy to tell how much the workers love their jobs. Their motto is special people making special food. The nonprofit kitchen, which serves mostly grab-and-go meals, was first started by Kim Brown, whose daughter Ellie has intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, Ellie was about to graduate from high school, and there weren't a lot of opportunities for her. So her mom said no one was hiring someone like her. So we decided if we wanted a fun, safe environment for her to work in, we were going to have to create it. The Brown family did launch the Long Kitchen in their backyard, but of course, they met other families who had young adults with disabilities, and it grew and grew. That's how they expanded to their current location. It's a win-win for everyone, right? Thank you for restoring our faith in humanity, Judy. Also, thanks a lot to MG and the Posse, the whole group over there in Mission Control. They hit the buttons. They make things happen. Our infant producer, Miranda, is on the other side of the double pain bulletproof glass. Thank you very much. Also, thanks to Mom for the treats today. Make sure we thank Miranda's mom uh, over there. Uh, DJ Tom, hush your mouth, young man. All right. Uh, pulling some song. Found a curling song today, for goodness sakes. Go figure that out. And Nick Gale, don't worry, he's not going anywhere. He's got your your news, your traffic, your weather, everything you need to get through your Wednesday just a little bit better. Don't worry, Nick's on top of it. It's coming up next right here on 890 WLS.